This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, January the 19th, 2022, and this is episode 3019 of the Survival Podcast. Um, today's subject is going to be one that a large portion of this audience is going to want to tune out on really, really quick. This is a great discussion, though. And I think the problem is that we become absolutists, right? And so today's show is called Restoring Government with Lawful Transparency. Has Jack denounced his anarchist credentials? No, I have not. I am also a pragmatist, and I have always been a pragmatist, and I've always tried to be a pragmatic anarchist as long as I've called myself as such. Uh, and you will hear some collision of that philosophy with our guests today because... I want to make sure that I'm understood when I say a thing and that my guest is understood when they say a thing. Um, but this is not about fixing the whole country. So if you think this is going to be the template to go into Congress and fix our federal government, that is zero to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about as a local guy, basic businessman, living in a small place called Carbon County, Pennsylvania, um, in a town called Lehighton. And this town is exactly, downtown Lehighton, is exactly 31 miles from where I went to high school in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. This is an area I know well. There is a lot of corruption in local government in small-town America and small-town Pennsylvania. There's a lot of corruption in all government, but there's a lot of corruption in rural, small-town Pennsylvania. More than you would ever freaking believe if you're not from there. And this guy got tired of it because as bad as it's always been, it got a whole lot worse, as you'll hear today, and decided, you know what? Somebody should do something. I'm somebody. This is the system in which they do this thing. I will enter the system. And the way he described it to me offline was kind of like the movie Men in Black where, where Tommy Lee Jones tells the monster, the space monster, eat me. And he says, I'm going to get my gun back. You have to go inside the monster. That's kind of what he did. He did it for one term, and he's done. And that doesn't mean it will stay right forever. That's not how anything works, right? But what has happened is a major change and a major education of the people that let these other people make decisions for them. And I don't know that everybody that listens to this show is going to turn around and go do this. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not. I have my way of fighting the system. But I believe that we, and I've, I've talked about this a lot in my talks about permaculture, we need people working to their strengths everywhere. Some of us are outsiders, and we want to work on the outside of the system. I work on the outside of the system. My solution to the school system sucking, and honestly, the schools that my, my grandkids would be in right now if I didn't do this are some of the better ones they could be in within that system. They're still terrible. My solution was pull them out and take responsibility for myself. Does it mean that I don't have allies that are on the inside pushing while I'm on the outside pulling? And I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion if you give it a shot today. Again, we're talking about something called lawful transparency. And basically, sunlight being the, the best disinfectant. And I, I think there are problems in government that are so big that this type of thing won't work for them. But when you're talking about local school boards in small towns, small counties, small townships, um, that's a place that if you want to do something, you can. And we're going to talk about the template for getting that done 
in just one minute before we do that. Let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is BulkAmmo.com. Man, you do not want to not have ammo when you need ammo. And you do not want to not have enough ammo when people start worrying about guns getting banned. Because if you ain't noticed, what disappears from the shelf first isn't guns, it's ammo. And it's the, the cycle runs this way. The ammo dries up, the magazines dry up, and then the guns dry up. The first one goes to the ammo. And the ammo is the one that unless you're a reloader and you have lots of components, bang, 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 those three rounds are gone. So you want to stock up on ammo. You don't want to pay too much for it. You don't want to go deal with some moron at a sporting goods store or a box store to get your ammo. You cruise on over to BulkAmmo.com. If you're an MSB member, you enter your discount code and you get a discount. You order your ammo, and faster than you can believe, it shows up at your front door. Check them out at BulkAmmo.com. Longtime supporter, guys, by the way, and they just renewed their contract with us for another year. That will be year, I, I thought it was nine years. It's actually year 11. They've been with us 11 of our 14 years on the air, BulkAmmo.com. Next up today, an organization that I've supported uh, in many ways from almost the very beginning of TSP. I've spoken at their Liberty Forum three times, and I love what they're doing, the Free State Project in New Hampshire. And I'll tell you what, people ask me all the time like about relocating, and should I relocate? And I always say the best way to know if you should relocate to a place is go live there for like a week or two, at least. Understand where you'll be living. FSP has put together a program just for this where you can decide if you want to live in New Hampshire by taking a vacation there, but instead of just being kind of your tourist that has no idea what's going on, to get in touch with them first, and then that way they can help you figure out where in New Hampshire you want to go for the vacation you're looking for and meet some cool people while you're there and do a double duty. Take a vacation and decide whether or not it's worth considering relocation. And if you decide it's not, you still had a great vacation. If you decide it is, you have a much better informed decision in making that relocation and becoming part of the work that's being done by FSP. How do you find out about it? Go to fsp.org forward slash visit NH. fsp.org visit, I'm sorry, fsp.org forward slash visit NH. And with that, I want to go ahead and jump into our interview today with our special guest, David Bradley. All right, folks, and with that, I want to welcome our special guest to the Survival Podcast today, Mr. David Bradley. Um, we're going to be talking today about fixing government at the local level. And we already had somebody in the comments here, David, say you can't fix cancer. You got to get rid of it. I am an anarchist. I understand that. As I was telling you offline before I brought you on today, there, there was two big reasons that I decided to, to go forward with this interview. Number one, I read the story and what you did worked. And only an asshole doesn't, you know, go after things that work and make things better uh, or, or someone that's a purist in denial of reality. And the other thing is you did all this about 30 miles from where I went to high school. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but you did this through the school board. And I find that really interesting. I want to dig deep into it. But can you start out with, uh, you know, we kind of grew up in the same area of the country um, before you had anything to do with politics. Kind of what is your background? What led you to get into politics? Well, I'm basically a, a small business person, been an entrepreneur my whole life, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to expose that people can fix this because uh, they need to. Uh, there's a friend of mine that's actually on the board with me, Rusty uh, Russell Belts, uh, that's a, a big fan of yours, and, and shout out to Rusty for getting us hooked up. So th thank you very much. And um, But basically, I'm just a small business guy, local tool community, cover a couple states like you were mentioning, And um, 
uh, in doing so, we meet a lot of people and we hear a lot of problems and, you know, we understand and we listen. And for the most part, um, business people are allergic to politics. We, we stay away. We're too blunt. We're too honest. We're too truthful. And, um, we just have a moral code. I mean, we can't find customers or have customers or keep customers if you don't have a moral standard. And these politicians tend to ignore that and just take the money through taxes because they don't have to hold that moral standard, which is frustrating. And um, so in all reality, most business people support other politicians to let you go do it. <laughs> you, go become, you go become the politician. I don't, I got things to do. So um, in the idea that we always sent people in to go do a job, but every time they got in there, it, it's like your listener was saying, it, it's cancerous. It, it, it corrupts them. It, they would, they would um, lose their moral center, whatever you want to call it. So finally, my daughter um, was like, all right, dad, you know, you can fix it. Just go do it. And I'm like, oh, God, but you know, when your kid says something and, and is challenging you a little bit, Sometimes you got to say, all right, I'm in. So I did, <laughs> but I did it the way a business person would do it. I, I did it with logic and reason. I, I put the emotion in the right path and uh, we set up a plan. We organized it and we said, we're going to go do this. I'm going to, I'm going to donate one term, one term only. And uh, I'm, not only am I going to go in, I'm going to fix it, but I'm going to rewrite this train back onto the moral track and I'm hopefully going to leave a um, legacy that it's fixed and then see how long it lasts. And, and it's kind of a, a science experiment for me. It was interesting. And um, uh, you mentioned uh, a little bit of an anarchist. I'm a, I'm a full-fledged anarchist, libertarian, smaller government. But I'm also a firm believer that there's a certain number of rules that apply. And we all have this moral code and, and we should follow it. Uh, I, I trust you've met or, or spoken to Larkin Rose in your in your Decades here. Do you know who he is? I know exactly who he is. We've we've chatted a bit, like social media and all. We've never actually had any kind of an interview or anything, but I have a a, a great deal of respect for a lot of his work. Yeah, and and your work as well, and a, and a couple other players in the marketplace. Uh, ben Garrison, I, I love his work, and uh, uh, Larkin Rose had two videos that I use regularly to help people identify and try to corral. Uh, um, the uh, um, again, we we'll use the cancer analogy because it's so great. <laughs> the cure for this cancer is, is corralled by those two movies that he made. One was uh, A Tiny Dot, which is fantastic, and then the other one was If You Were King. And I think those two were uh, good examples of what I performed. And then I used uh, um, there's a book from Malcolm Gladwell called Tipping Point. And to get elected and to do uh, the reforms we wanted, we used a lot of the information in those books from uh, Outlier and Tipping Point and What the Dog Saw to uh, try to, you know, th this is different than business to business work. I mean, business to business is a relationship based on trust. And it it's easy to do as long as you're trustworthy. And most people get weeded out of the business. We've been in business almost 30 years. So you get weeded out if you don't have that trust and morality. Uh, it's just how it works. And, and not I think the key thing is like the key thing with business is it's always a voluntary relationship. Unless it's unless it's a government contract, it's a voluntary relationship. So if I'm right. choosing between your company and three other companies, I choose the one I want. 
And you choose whether you actually want to even do business with me, right? We have a, a two-way voluntary association where government is a mandate of force. And, uh, and that's and why I think, that force. you so know, like I said, back. we're already getting pushback from some members of the audience, which I expected because you Sorry. can't fix it. Well, I think fix is a, it's not a binary on off. It's absolutely fixed or it's absolutely broken. It's here's this part that's close to me that's fucking to be bluntly fucking with my life and fucking with my kid's life. And can I make it better? And that's the approach you took at the school board level. And God, if we don't need to do something there. So can you explain, you know, what happened in, in, in Height and PA? Like I said, I went to, I went to high school literally 31 miles from downtown Height in Pottsville. And so I'm very familiar with the area. And I'm also familiar that even going way back to the eighties, small town corruption in Pennsylvania is a thing. Oh, and it shoot. sounds like it went full on runaway though in Lehighton. Well, it wasn't just, so we, we did this, um, and the key word is we, uh, let's, let's go back one more step here. So the first question is how come in the constitution, one of the first amendments or tasks, you know, freedom, you know, freedom of the press and right to bear arms. And how come they didn't have one that said government has to tell the truth. <laughs> government has to be honest. Right. And, and my kid did one of my kids. I'm, you know, I'm a, a at the time I was a, a sink family, single income, numerous kids. Right. So, my kids come home from school. They got this project. You know, what would you do if you change the constitution? And, and the answer is, you know, how about add in an honesty clause? And then they would ask me and say, Hey, dad, how come they didn't have that? I mean, these were smart guys. They, why did they do it? I said, well, they were all farmers and business people and they recognized it was volunteerism. If you didn't act honestly, you weeded yourself out automatically. And I think that what we messed up in government is we were supposed to weed these people out automatically. When they aren't honest and the fact that we just ignored that because nobody wants to engage in a conversation with the guy with the sandwich board that said the world's going to end tomorrow. And, and we just kind of, Hey, I'll go do my thing. You go, you know, you do your thiefdom over there in that government thing. I'll hopefully make enough money. I can pay your taxes and your excise and use of power and authority. And at the end of the sheriff's gun and uh, keep myself away from that. But there, there is, it is time. And I'm going to mention to everyone in your audience, it is time. It is a cancer. It can be corrected. We proved it and we did it as a study and out of control can be fixed. And it wasn't just our Carbon County, Lee Heighton school district. It was local little townships, uh, zoning officers. I mean, there's a whole host of corruption that exists because normal people look the other way. They let their neighbor screw them over regularly and they give them a pass. And it's a shame. I mean, remember that, that there was a viral video of that guy in, uh, 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 with the, was, was kidnapped those girls and, and, and that guy, Ramsey, tells him, I had ribs with that dude. <laughs> right. And it's the same thing with our corrupt politicians. We're in the backyard you know, talking to these friends and these people we grew up with and, and they're in office and you think that they're smart and, and they're just immoral. It's a shame. And we found them, we exposed them, we routed them out, rooted them out, fixed it from the inside. And uh, we want to share that with everybody. Else. We're here to help you.
So, but can we go more into what they were doing? Like, what was going on? Uh, the plot of the Music Man, right? Which yeah, I'm not familiar with. Plot of the Music Man. They had a school. They had a school that was uh, a middle school, and they said this town needs a band, right? This town needs a new school. So they 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 hired a flawed feasibility study architect guy that comes in and tells you this school's old and needs to be fixed, right? It's it, it's gone. You got to build a new. One. You got to build a new. One. And um, all that was happening in the background, again, businessman working my, you know, half days, 12, five to five, my 12 hour days, and really not paying attention to the, the local politics that really impacts our uh, finances more than the federal side, I think. Uh, granted, federal taxes are huge and things, but it's that local tax that when you really boil it down, we found out that just removing one corrupt person saved us and our companies and, and the things that we do. Tens of thousands of dollars through my lifetime, if not almost a hundred thousand dollars will be saved in my lifetime just because we removed one corrupt politician from office. So if you look at it from a vested interest side, it's worth it. Go do it. But the, the short story of how I got sucked in, I'm at the local hardware store, you know, lady behind the counter. Hey, Dave, you're a smart guy. Uh, and I walked into this meeting. And I had to leave. I, you know, they, they made me cry. And, and I just asked a question and, and you know, boilers, you know, this, you know, that and I said, yeah. And I'm laughing to myself thinking, well, these guys are volunteers. They're, they got no vested interest. They got, you know, I'm naive. <laughs> I'm like, why is this lady being, being give the bum rush and, and, and cast out? What question could she have possibly asked? And to be honest, I mean, it's a little bad of me to think this way, but it's the truth. I was thinking, how how bad of a question was it? It's got to be pretty funny, right, for this volunteer to run this lady out. But she just asked a simple question that was, are boilers inspected by the state prior to operation within a school? And and I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they are. But but what questions do you ask? And when she told me that that was the question. That was it. I was like, wait a second. What's going on? She said, well, they're having another meeting tonight. Can you go? And I'm like, sure. And I went, I asked the question. They threw you out? No, it got way worse than that. It was great. (laughs) This was the question. This wasn't about political race theory or some shit like that. This was, are boilers inspected? And and you got to build a new school because you're afraid it's going to blow up and hurt kids? Wait a second. We got to, we got to, what's going on here, right? So it gets better, Jack, because... We provide some tools for boilers and things. We, we know very little about it, but uh, enough to be dangerous, let's call it, right? Uh, you, in the meeting, aren't you the maintenance manager? Yeah. Guy stands up. Mr. Polite. Yes, Mr. Bradley. <laughs> Glad to see you here. How can I help you? Well, is the boiler inspected or not? Right? Excuse me, Mr. Brett, it's their meeting. I can't answer. And he sits back down, right? And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. <laughs> I need to know what's going on here. We, we got a problem. At which point the guy behind the, the thing says, who the hell are you? And I'm like, I'm the guy asking the question in the audience. The, you, you, you're, you're government. You're supposed to be answering we'll the answers, right? <laughs> is it or is it not? I mean, do we or do we not have a problem? And I can make a phone call right now. We'll have a rental boiler here in 15 minutes, I swear. Pottsville, there's, there's four guys in Reading. They'll, they'll bring you one. 
Yeah. What the hell are you doing? So what I'm getting out of this, the whole thing of predicated of building this new school yep, is the old school yeah. had a boiler that was going to explode and blow all the children up yeah, on top yeah. of Jim Thorpe Mountain, right? And then yep. they were all going to be dead in the trees yep. up with the colorful fall. So we need to build an entire new school over a boiler, which is preposterous onto itself. But asking the question, did anybody actually inspect the boiler caused an absolute friggin' thermal meltdown among the people in power? Because somebody was getting a contract is what I'm getting out of this. Oh, yeah. So they closed the meeting. They shut it down. They said, read the feasibility study. You get this study. And then I went back and um, I read the 300-page pile of crap that they put out and published. And I was like, who wrote this, right? So then we... We did our first thing. We sent in a new group of people and um, we went to go fix it. And they're going to, okay, so now they're going to renovate these buildings instead, which is good. So they're going to renovate them, you know, spend half the money or a third the money. Um, but then those guys got chewed up and spit out. And then the next group of cabal comes in, like, like many of your listeners are saying. It, it's so corrupt and corrosive that it's a problem. So then we send in the next set businessman, you know, write a check here, go run for office. You want to be, you know, you want to be dignitary. Go ahead, but do the right job. And they tried and they get leveraged and threatened and, and everything under the sun. Um, it's a mess. So then they wanted to build an elementary center. If you can't build this one, we got to build debt. Something got to build something. Got to build debt. If you yeah. don't build that, I can't hold these people accountable. I can't make sure. And, and just the immorality of the, of the, of the thing was a mess. And we found all sorts of problems, but it was definitely the music man. You know, um, this town needs a band. Why we got trouble, trouble right here at River City. What trouble? We don't have any, but we'll have to go make some. This was a town that was out of debt, had four local schools, good grades, good kids, 2000 kids in the district, classrooms of the, you know, 10, 15, 20 kids in a classroom, depending on the exact grade level. And here they want to consolidate everything and, and hock everybody up. And um, they had a cabal, in my opinion. They had the, the school board was, was run by people that were part of a cabal, along with the administration and along with the solicitor and other people within the district. And they all operated in their own cabal. They raised taxes, didn't spend it properly, didn't use it. They didn't manage it. It was, it was completely a mess. And at the end of the day, we found it, we proved it. And they were supposed to give, the state told them, you tax too much, give it back to these people. One of the directors said, kiss my ass in a public meeting. And then they authorized to spend the money and build a stadium, $7 million with cash. And then the auditor general came in. There's a whole mess. We, we cleaned it up. And uh, at the end of the day, the goal is get more people in office, clean it up and then keep an eye on them. And it's really not that hard to do. And once the train is set back on the track, you can do it. And we were able to prove in a short period of time that we went from the music man, corruption, lies, waste, a problem, lawful transparency, government held accountable by people. And we can keep it on course for a little longer until the whole thing falls apart because let's face it, there's still, Overspending consumption debt. There's there's no customer at the other side of taxation, and taxation is the excise of money through force. And, and every time these government people make a decision, it's at the end of a sheriff's gun that, that the authority's there. So it's hard to do. 
But even uh, when I was a director, we were trying to fix a lot of that. We did we did a good job. But so let's let's <laughs> talk about this concept of lawful transparency um, and how that was implemented here. And again, for, for folks listening, I want to reiterate, we're not talking about fixing Washington DC right now. We're not talking about fixing your state Senate and, and, and House of Representatives. We're talking about fixing abuses and, and, and if not fixing mitigating abuses at the local level with the property tax that you have extorted out of the backside of your ass through the use of force, supposedly for the children here. We're not, again, I think some people are getting confused with us. Like, like this will be the template to fix government everywhere in the country and everything. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, hey, you've got local school boards passing money around, um, basically grab ass going. I think a big part of this, like you've alluded to, is that people like you and me do not want power. We don't want power. And the people that should have power are always the ones that don't want it. And the people that want it are always the ones that shouldn't have it. Because in general, people want power so they can do something with it. Where generally speaking, people like yourself, when they eventually get tired of it and they decide they're going to take the, 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 the yoke on of service and government, it's so they can undo things, not so they can do things. Correct. And so lawful transparency sounds like lifting the veil of the man behind the curtain and letting people see what's actually happening. And I guess the magic dust then is one thing to lift the veil. It's the other thing to make, make Susie homemaker care, right? That's the hard part is because the reason these bastards get away with so much is most people are too busy. It's not, they don't care. They don't have time to care. They're trying to feed their kids. You don't know the information. So you can't make that decision. So who are you to judge what I did as a government agent? Bullshit. You can do this. It's, it's, it's actually really easy to do. And Susie Homemaker is a better politician than anybody <laughs> else in the marketplace because normally, if you, if you get it right, she has to be the benevolent dictator. And that's what you're looking for, a little bit of benevolence because you are giving them power. You are making sure that they have the understanding. But most Susie Homemakers in the world, and, and when we installed this, we physically helped select individuals that we knew had a moral center that they are going to follow the rules. So now instead of the lobbyist taking control of them, the people take control of them. They're, they're the ones that care. Let's face it. After I fix a problem, I'm on to the next problem. I kind of don't care about that anymore. As long as I fixed it and it's straight, I'll deal with that spin and plate when it starts to wobble. As a business owner, you got a ton of spinning plates, and the idea is you keep them all spinning. You don't deal with the ones that are spinning. You deal with the ones that are wobbling. So it's that management oversight. That's why you want to have Susie Homemakers in that process, excuse me, that um, fix it, set it on course, and do it. And I agree with you. This is hyper-local, hyper-local. It's your townships. It's your boards. It's your... Uh, uh, your library group, it's your, uh, little league team. It's that political group that you can easily fix with lawful transparency. And then when it gets to the county level, you can do some state level starts getting out of control. Too many other moving pieces, but the, the actual process, um, was adopted the other direction. I, I, I stole it from other people that used lawful transparency to get rid of other corrupt governments in, in different regimes. And, and that's all you need to do. 
you guys mentioned term limits. I went in as a candidate and I said one term, one term only. And the reason we don't really have term limits is because the people voting for them are the people that are in there. I mean, that's first of all. And then a second issue, if you want term limits, vote someone else out. And in our county, I've said that for years. Because I do get fed up with everybody that has these ideas they're going to fix everything. And I often hear this idea, we need a constitutional amendment for term limits. And I'm like, the the people saying that are the ones that go vote every two years, and they put the same people back in office. They don't vote people out in the press. You say, like, 89% of Americans are for term limits. You have a term limit if you actually want to through the electoral process. Correct. Stop electing the same person over and over again. Stop asking government to fix stuff when you have the power to fix it yourself. And, that, and that's they won't the do it. That's the root cause of the issue. You have the power. Use the power to fix government without actually using government to fix government. And, and that's where it's a little bit slippery of a slope. Because in lawful transparency, we did exactly what works. We recorded every meeting. We made commentary on all the meetings. We did right to know requests. We exposed them for what they did. And then we asked the people, hey, Susie Homemaker, do you think that we should be spending the money here or here? And she said, well, that's not my decision to make. I'm like, well, it's your money. It is your money, yeah. (laughs) Do you think we should let kids get broomsticked inside the the, uh, hazing in a football team? I mean, no offense. Jack, did you play any sports when you were in Pottsville? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you we take a shit like that? No, we would have got traumatized no. to be part of that sport. No, thank no. you. We think it should be part of of a sport in the state of Pennsylvania for no. any high schooler, middle schooler. No, our coaches would have kicked our process? ass if we would have pulled some shit like that. I mean, no. Well, guess what happened in Lehigh? Probably encouraged it. Oh man! Not only did it happen, they have a lawsuit open currently to try to stop this mess. The, the board that was on the um, committee was was covering this stuff up. There's video. I had to take them to court. I mean, I, I normally would hide from any of this interaction with other governments. The whole idea is fix things without dealing with government because you want a limited government. And, and you are correct that once they get power, they want to use it. And, and we've recorded tons of video. Um, of public officials, once they get elevated to that power, that their neighbors nag them into using it. And then they want to use it. One of them, it's a great video, is a guy wanting to use eminent domain over the grass ordinance, right? This guy's not cutting his grass. Is there anything we can do in eminent domain? And he asked the solicitor, what can we do using eminent domain? Because this guy's not cutting his grass. You know that somebody's putting a needle in his ear saying, you better do something. I have to cut my grass. Why isn't he cutting his? And they run to government to solve the problem. And it's a mistake. Um, if the guy you know, I've, the grass- I've seen more of it in the open since COVID started, um, you know, and, and more at the city level, like the the Blosio in New York and, and like, what's her name? Beetlejuice Lightfoot in Chicago. And you can almost hear when they're talking about their restrictions and people basically giving the middle finger and saying no go like a parent or a teacher when they're like, okay, you're on restriction for one day. Right. And then the kid says something. Okay. Two. Okay. The whole weekend. Like it's almost like this power trip. And I think that's always existed in politics. And the more local, the more it's true because there's like, 
the, the Napoleon complex, the smaller bureaucrat, the smaller yep. politician generally has the bigger ego about the power that they wield. And they yep. generally are talking to some of their constituents, right? And if they're doing what the people they have around them want done, then they feel good about it. And then once they do it, they're like, oh, I can make this happen. Oh, I can make this happen. Oh, and I, I won't care pop the bubbles and laugh my ass off. <laughs> because- I mean, what did you actually do? Like nuts and bolts. Like how did this get dismantled? How did it actually work? Cause like, I mean, you were able to do it at least to a significant degree in your, your backyard. What exactly did you do? And we did it and we did it in one turn, which is really amazing. <laughs> but, and, and not to my credit, there's a whole bunch of people that, that helped it, but. Um, basically what we did was we employed a, a, a multi-front approach. First thing we did was use the, the concepts and tipping point where make a story, make it sticky, give it to the right people so they spread it, right? And, and when you give it to the right people, you give it to the hairdressers, you give it to the uh, auto repair guys, you give it to the Walmart clerks, you give it to the giant clerk, you know, the, the grocery store clerks, and you say – and you just leave it as a passing by. Did yeah. you hear that they're going to rebuild a whole new school because the boiler's going to, you know, have trouble and, and they didn't even inspect the thing. Did you hear that? And then you, then you leave it go and then they have to go investigate. So that tipping point just spreads like wildfire, beautiful setup. And, and with social media, even better. And, and you mentioned COVID. When these people started watching their teachers and watching their staff members and watching these people online and getting to go to their meetings because they now can do it from the comfort of their home, oh, all hell breaks loose because they realize how much of a mess it is. And, and then they get a little bit involved. And now the ego of that individual school director is taken away when he acts like a dick. If he's arrogant, if he's bad, and he's acting bad in public, no longer can his neighbor go up to him and say, you did a good job. Here's your dignitary ego. He says, what the hell are you doing? This guy's making you look like an idiot. Well, what's this guy doing? He's just showing you what's happening. So they were all mad at me because who are you to expose what's going on? I'm there with the, with the handy dandy handy cam at a public meeting. So, so, and I think that was a big part of what y'all did yeah. is that you documented and made everything visible, right? Like the, the best disinfectant is sunlight, you right? You want to kill microbes, put UV on it, baby. And they start going. Well, Brandeis, up. Right? I don't even know how to pronounce this thing, but, but Justice Brandeis, I used his techniques. You're exactly right. Sunlight is the best policeman and uh, the electric, I'm sorry. It was the electric light is the best policeman and sunlight's the best disinfectant. So we literally videotaped all these meetings. So for a while, we also ran a newspaper, Jack. Mm. In 2014, I, I put a letter to the editor. It cost me $1,000 as a business person to share the information. I collected from reading a 400-page feasibility study just to educate the people of what was going on. And, and they said, we can't do this as a letter to the editor. It's too long. Bullshit here, bullshit there. Mainstream media said, I want $1,000 from you, at which point you know it's exclusionary. We're not going to do it. So I did write the check and I sent it to him because I thought it was funny. And, and a whole bunch of people wrote back said, tell us more. So then that hooked us up with another guy, another guy, another guy. Uh, I don't know if you know Ernie Hancock, great guy, helped us out a lot. He got us to this James Babb guy, get us this Lou guy. And we wrote a paper and we mailed it, Jack, 30 
thousand copies to every resident in Carbon County, 24 page documentary expose of all the shit that's going on in your local backyard. And we mailed it to each and every door. 30,000 of them three months in a row. They know that's why you can do this in a small, you know, a small uh, jurisdiction because you can actually afford the blanket. You can afford to do it. Like if you tried to do that with 300 million people, it's like 110 million owner occupied homes in America. Unless you're the people that are the problem, you can't afford to do it, but you can probably one way or another come up with the funding to alert 30,000 people to what's going on. And you don't need them all to read it. You need, you need a, a majority of the people that will vote in the first place or are predisposed to vote in your instance to read it and to understand it and to see what's going on. Because I think a lot of people like until all this crap got exposed and COVID exposed a lot of it because I've been saying this, people are like, Oh, remote learning doesn't work. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You just got to see the teachers your kids have. That's, that's all that happened. Like, cause my, my grandkids, uh, we do distance learning with them. We do homeschooling with them. And like my granddaughter, when we have like teachers coming to do lessons and all across line, she cheers. She's happy. She, I need a video one day. She's like clapping and she's waving and she's so happy and she's learning things. And she's like, Papa, did you know this? And did you know that? So it wasn't the medium that was the problem. It was the system itself showing you. And I've said this, like probably half of all teachers are great. And probably half are mediocre to suck, right? Because it's not a meritocracy. Everybody gets paid the same. Well, if and you the attitude, of the, and the attitude of the student has to be accurate as well. If the attitude of the student isn't proper, you're not going to get through to that kid. They no. got to come up with a little bit of attitude that comes from the parent, that comes from the community, that comes from that student, and they have to have some self awareness. But you are correct. When when they started showing what's happening in these classrooms, oh, it's got to change. It's got to change. It, it, it's a mess what they're finding. Uh, yeah. But I, I agree. Well, what I was getting on with the like, half the teachers are great and half the teachers aren't so great. You know, kids today, by the time they're in fifth or sixth grade, they have six teachers. Like, I have a teacher for every subject. Well, if half of them suck, then half of your kids' teachers, by the numbers, are probably going to be the, the bottom half of performers, right? Sure. And I think people have, up to this point, been like, School is the thing that I don't really have. As long as Johnny does his homework and he gets A's and B's, that's one thing I've outsourced to the state and I don't have to really worry anymore. And I think a lot of what's happened with the COVID crap is people are like, oh, I do have to worry. Oh, there is. And to me, it's kind of humorous in a sad way because I'm like, oh, did you think there was a part of government that wasn't corrupt? Did you, did you really believe there was a place where people can vote rules? and exempt themselves from them, there wouldn't be corrupt. Did you really think there was a place where I could pass contracts to people for millions of dollars and that wouldn't get abused? Did you really think that was like, we spend Did you really think they, they could collect trillions on, on, on primary and secondary education in this country, trillions of dollars annually. And then each place is like its own little microcosm of corruption within the great sea of corruption. It really is. And it's got to be fixed. And we were able to do it within reason. But you're correct. Do you really think they can collect $40 million each and every year and disperse that $40 million to the education of 2,500 students? And, and they're doing it efficiently when, wait a second, this kid can go to Penn State University for yeah. Oh, yeah. Or he can go to middle school or elementary yeah. school. 
Yeah, you can absolutely get a college education for less than annual tuition that we spend on a student to go to high school in the state of Texas, and we spend less than we spend significantly less than Pennsylvania does, and we're still it still costs more to send a kid to tenth grade than to fund a college education. Hundred percent, and and we're taking the money from those parents. So they don't have it to send their kid to. And, and I'm a supporter of college education, trade schools, anything that you want to do to make your life better, go do it. And, and homeschooling and home direction schooling, I think this COVID thing really opened up what education really is. I think it's going to reform it. I think cameras in the classroom should be coming through. We're working on that right now. I think that you should have this this idea that you shouldn't have to file a right to know for information you have the right to know, it should be provided. If you have the right to know it, you should know it. And then the curriculum, we already got that one passed. So in my tenure, we also got the, the curriculum passed that mandated state law. Curriculums have to be on the, the public website for your public school. You got to know what they're trying to teach your kids so that you can be aware because some of the things that we're teaching our kids is not necessarily in the best interest of these poor kids. And then we also got in Pennsylvania, um, we got cameras on the buses with audio and because too many times little Susie, little Johnny, little whoever interacted with other people. They didn't have the emotional intelligence of what to do. And by using this data, they've gotten rid of a lot of the corruption in the system and, and the churning of the system through legality and le- uh, legal proceedings. They got rid of most of it. Let me show you what, Little Johnny did today on the bus, and then you helped me deal with it from a discipline standpoint, because if we're not teaching emotional intelligence, if we're not teaching how to interact with these people, you're going to have other problems. And that's the whole reason we like public education, to make sure that everybody gets an education, because you don't want to walk down the street and find someone thinking that, hey, the best way I can get 20 bucks is to shoot this guy, you know, or stab that guy. They want to know that they can, oh, I can do this for 20 bucks or that for 20 bucks. And, and at the end of the day, opening them up would be fantastic. Common Core screwed it up. You have a passion for this, Jack. Are you generating a revenue and a living? I hope so. And if not, yeah. it's your hobby. It's either your hobby or it's your, or it's your life, right? And if it's your hobby and you enjoy it and you, your life can provide for that hobby, more power to you. If you're enjoying it and it's your hobby, double power to you. But every kid should have the opportunity to pick up a guitar and decide if they're good at it or like it or enjoy it or a piano or an artwork or an airplane to go fly or, or weld something together or, or manage something or calculate out some higher math skill. It's all good, right? My kid worked for NASA for a while. It, it's good stuff to let them have an exposure to everything until they decide what they're doing. And that's what education's about. And that's why you got to fix it at this local level. Because you can't have that guy in office rubber stamping, blindly trusting, collecting $40 million, dispersing $40 million for these 2,500 kids and find out that a good percentage of them aren't even meeting the proficient standards within the state to the point where the state has a special task force watching saying, you're not doing this right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of bullshit that goes on. Dallas School District one of the biggest school districts in the country. And they have an abysmal graduation rate. 
But then when you dig into it, you find out that rate's actually exceedingly above the real number because they only consider you a dropout if you quit in your senior year. So a student that like bails in 11th grade or 10th grade is not reflective of the graduation rate. And when you do that, it's something like only 56% of kids out of certain districts in Dallas school district graduate, right? And 72% sounds miserable, but 50, it's either 52 or 56% is a lot worse. And Dallas school district taxes are really high. That's part one of many reasons I don't live there. That's just one example of how they play these damn games and they make people you know, like we're doing a good job. No, you're not doing a good job. You're doing a terrible job. And then what makes that number even worse is, you know, I ran a business in the Dallas Fort Worth area for a long time before I did this. And I hired some of those people that came out of Dallas school district with, you know, a high school diploma and they shouldn't have graduated high school. Right. Like I'm just going to say it like they should not. Have like so even th- that number that abysmally low number they're putting through a lot of them are just getting pushed on through. It, it happens all the time, and if it happens in Dallas, it happens in Lehigh, and it happens in Pottsville, it happens in Jacksonville, it happens everywhere. This is an ongoing like it, honest to God, if I had my choice, I would if I was king, right? Like like a Larkin would say, there would be no public education system. Yes, I would, I would issue right. a kingly fiat. It is dead. Right. And then parents would have a complete choice in how they educate their children. And I believe you would all of a sudden see schools popping up everywhere with different options, yep. different cost associations with them. Diff- like, and it parents is- would be efficient with that money and they'd put their kids in. If it wasn't working, they'd move them somewhere else. And I completely agree with you. And we're aiming on that as well. If we can get that school choice process through, fantastic. Because yep. these kids are with those people for a good portion of their day and they carry through that morality with that individual that may or may not meet that standard. When I first ran for school board, I was very um, adamantly told that you do realize your child is with us eight hours a day, right, Mr. Bradley? And I was like, not anymore. Click. <laughs> Hello. Hey, wife, do me a favor. <laughs> I need you to pull. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And she says, done. Thank you. And it's all gone. And it's a shame, but I think it's, 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 the house of cards is falling. And if we can do, if, if the community can do what I did with my team and our community and, and all, I mean, we had, it's not Dave by any means. Citizen Dave is just an instigator. We had teams of people. And when, when you had all these people, discussing the benefits of the students, the benefits to the children, the benefits to the community. And they realize that that house of card needs to fall or be resurrected. And I, I agree that it should fall and go back to your fiat answer of public schools need, need to change. It's now uh, uh, parent directed. Here's your uh, uh, school choice voucher. If the public school is doing a good job for you, continue. If it's not, Send them elsewhere. And that, that, that's the goal. But well, let me be completely clear. I don't even mean that. Like, would that be? Yes. Would I press that button? Yes. But if I had my own button, my button would be there are no more school taxes. There is no public funding of education whatsoever. It's all private. It's all private and parents can have their freaking tax money back and use their tax money to educate their children. That's, 
That's what I mean. But I would meet in the halfway space. And yeah, I do think he's going to be better I think half is needed. I, 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 and I'm maybe I'm, I'm extreme. <laughs> and I agree. Um, you can't, you know, we can't kill virgins to make the cops grow, right? We, we can't have that happen anymore. So, um, but I do agree that if, if you had a school choice program, the funding would have only be about 50% or not even because most of it is corruption and waste. And once they direct it, it'll get directed properly. And I also agree that most people that have any nickels to rub together, in excess of the taxes they're responsible to pay, already made that decision and choose. I mean, you look at a guy like Elon Musk and he says, well, I homeschool my kids. You know, I, I hire my own teacher. I want them to learn what I need them to learn. He wants to give them that advantage. He can afford to give them that advantage. So as soon as you lower those tax rates to half or less, it's going to migrate everybody to say, I want to do things for the best interests of my child, not just the free option. That literally is a free option because right now in Pennsylvania, you can go to a charter school. You can choose the school of your child and those tax dollars follow that child. But the oppressive local school district starts playing games with that to try to prevent that from happening. Uh, our district tried to have people have to pay for their own sports through the charter school. Right. So now they're going to make the charter school pay if you want to play football. You're going to make the charter pool school pay if you want to play soccer at our local district. Total BS. Never happened for years. But once COVID hit, people started migrating away from this failed public school system. This is a way to try to keep the thing alive. And it's crumbling. They, they can't afford it. I mean, they crushed themselves. We, we went from nearly zero debt to $100 million in liabilities. You know what? And I think people get numb to numbers, right? I think people really need to understand what Carbon County, Pennsylvania looks like and then get their head around a hundred million dollars, right? Oh, this, this is, this is an area that really like a big source of y'all's income is, you know, Jim Thorpe's up there and it's gorgeous colors in the fall. You take that away and, and you don't really have any tourist activity. It's a, it's not a, it's a nice place, but it's a very small town. Um, I'm going to guess the median income is somewhere around thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm actually trying to pull it up right now for you because I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah it's medium, probably somewhere in that range. Probably buy a decent house is one hundred forty-six thousand dollars in all of Carbon County. Yeah, yeah. So one hundred forty-six thousand dollars median on a house. You know, where I grew up, you could still buy a decent house if you're willing to buy like a row house in town for like sixty-five, seventy grand. They're very similar places in reality: Schuylkill County, Carbon County. 2,500 students. Yep, yeah, 2,500 students. Every student has $40,000 worth of debt on them in this year for that $100 million. It, it, it literally boggles the mind. <laughs> because $100 million. divided by the 2,500 students. Theoretically, that's going to be over years. Yeah. I get it. It's a little bit uh, uh, of a wag math, but you get the idea. For for I mean, we're spending almost twenty grand a year to educate a kindergarten student. Per Ugh. student. I mean, if that was the tuition, I mean, and, and we don't have a we don't have an Olympic-sized public swimming pool in this in this district, right? Not yet, at least. We have an eight million dollar or nearly eight million dollar stadium that they bought with cash because when the state told them you took too much money from your constituents, your fund balance is too high, you have to give it back. They chose to illegally, in my opinion, and we went to court on this. 
spent it on a stadium with cash, and he oh, I got the auditor general to come in and say non-compliance. You, you didn't follow the law. You didn't do this right. You, you, know, you spent this money. You weren't allowed to spend. And it's a cabal. It's and the auditor general doesn't have authority for enforcement. And if it, when the FBI were called and the answer was, well, Mr. Bradley, there is a stadium out there. I mean, it would have been one thing if they moved the money and they didn't build the stadium. But the corruption exists. If you don't have the right to do it, you can't. Um, someone asked if Scranton is in Carbon County. No, but Scranton is the town where once they got lawful transparency, they realized that the person fixing flat tires on buses was getting a little greedy. <laughs> he was fixing lots of flat tires on buses because every one was a check. They had a yeah. guy in uh, the Wilkes-Barre area where the superintendent and the um, buildings and grounds guy, the, the, the uh, um, I guess you call it the um, facilities manager, clink, clink. They were falsifying records for, for public water and public health safety for, for the asbestos in the room. We got sodomized kids in our district. We got a kid that went to the pediatric ICU from a bullying incident where they were mentioning things like, well, the kids, the kid slips a lot. He, he, you know, he has a tendency. His mom went on the news with us to say he's being bullied. And now he's sitting in the pediatric ICU suffering from head trauma because we didn't properly protect these students. And we need to protect the students. So this thing's crumbling down. And you you mentioned Pottsville in Allentown. They had other sexual assaults and issues. We had a sexting teacher that was that the board prior to my existence, but as we were trying to route this shit out, Jack, the, the board physically approved, admitted he was arrested. I'm sorry, do this right. He was interviewed by the police. He confessed to the crime. He wasn't arrested yet because they didn't file the paperwork yet. Had a board meeting. Backdate the resignation to before he was arrested so that they could do it. And the arrest date was before the meeting. So here's a whole bunch of people that know this man was arrested or should have known this man was arrested. Knew he confessed or should have known he confessed, and they backdated his resignation to before. Now, since then, the law has changed. That was called passing the trash. The solicitor of our district, and we caught on tape, said, well, the law was passed by the House and Senate, but it didn't take effect yet until the end of this month, so we're okay here. <laughs> I I you know, laugh we got rid of that solicitor. We got rid of the solicitor. We got rid of the superintendent. We got rid of these freaking. It's bad. These people have no moral center, and you would think that they would have shame. You would think that if you shamed them into, hey, look, look what you just did. You should apologize and you should resign. That they would, and they don't. They dig their heels and they get more arrogant. It, it literally got in this community to the point where. Because, because I was doing it with all my friends in so much re- reasonable basis. Finally, we got them to resign. They had to. There was no other choice. They've been, they've been exposed as arrogant knuckleheads to the nth degree that they had to do something. 
But reality is, in Pennsylvania, government sucks. The rules that they made, you can't remove these people. They could lie to you get elected, but then once they swear their oath to honor and, and obey the laws and do stuff, no accountability. If you don't have lawful transparency, the right to know, filing lawsuits like we did, and taking them to task, there's no accountability. And and this, the cards are stacked up against us. I mean, I, I'm relentless and ruthless at the end of the day, but you can't do that. I mean, it's just not economical. And they have full defense lawyers, and they have the, the your taxpayers' funds fund their insurance to make sure their bonds are covered, to make sure they can get protection. They claimed immunity in public court. The cool part was the way we did it, using tipping point. <laughs> we took that and Machiavellian effort, take them to court, let them claim immunity, and then go tell all their friends. Did they claim immunity? They're claiming immunity, right? Look, here it is. Page they didn't say they didn't do it. They're yeah. saying you're immune from prosecution under the yeah. law, which which means they did it, right? Because no, if they no, didn't no, do it, they no, would no, say we no, didn't no, do no, it. Not not immune. No, you can't say that. That's called a affirmative defense. Immunity is one of the affirmative defenses. It doesn't mean that they, you know, they got to be careful here. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're guilty because they admit it. You're only guilty after a judge slaps the gavel. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We dragged this on for a I year. I don't mean legally guilty. I mean, we all know that you motherfuckers did this. That's what I mean. You're allowed <laughs> to judge it with your opinion. And in the court of public opinion, oh, we win. Yeah. It's beautiful, but you, you didn't do this without you didn't do this without getting hammered back. Like you got sanctioned, you got sued. Like how did you like? What did they do to you personally when you started causing all this trouble? I, I exposing make, their trouble. I'll make one statement and one statement only. They did everything they could, and it didn't matter. I'm still <laughs> here, right? So at the end of the day, please do not fear. Slap lawsuits, censures, sanctions, all the bullshit that they're going to try to throw at you to do this and do it. Do it right. Do it ethically. Do it morally. Document the facts. Get it in front of a judge. Seek justice under the law. Right. We're looking at evolution, not revolution. Um, take it to court. It costs you eighty nine dollars. They're going to counter sue you. They're going to do everything they can. They did. You're supposed to go to your homeowners to get your public defender when they accuse you of stuff, right? I said, no, I'll do a pro se. I read the, I docu, I educated myself. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I just read everything I could find. I'm that geek, right? I, um, I learned this from, uh, an old story that someone told me. I, I like to fly. My buddy, Rusty, that, uh, he's a, he's a pilot, right? He's an airline pilot. He's an airline mechanic. He fixes hell. I mean, this guy's brainiac, right? But he showed me one time a long time ago, they have these NTSB reports where people learn about what's going on. A pilot had four engines on his commercial airplane. One of them broke and he cut the other one. I'm like, what the hell? And he knew that if he had that one fail, that the hydraulic systems was run on that one, so he can't have his elevator. So if he cuts this other engine, he can use asymmetric thrust to get this thing to come back and make sure everybody lives. <laughs> You're thinking, okay, 
that pilot was not sitting at the strip club at the end of his flight. He was in his hotel room, Geek Central, reading every book about everything ever. And he knows this thing inside and out. He just saved all those people. What a, what a guy, right? He read it all and he knew it. And I wanted to emulate that. So we just read everything, do it pro se. And uh, the, the judges throw this stuff out on occasion. They do a lot of things. But when they're done, they know what you're trying to do. They know how it works. And they definitely, the, the system works. It protects you. And, it, and it's good. So, yes, they tried everything. Don't be afraid. Do it anyway. Except now you might have the Justice Department breathing down your neck and calling you a domestic terrorist. And, and I, and I yeah, think that we need to stand up to that, too. I don't think we can be afraid. I personally think the best vote a parent can take is to say, you know what, not my kids and pull the kids out. I think that's the number one way we can get their attention because our children have become a dollar sign. And, and not just to the school board, not just to all these interests. Like, it's not, I'm not even going to say it's their fault, but the principal of the school is managing the school from an attendance standpoint because that's how they acquire their funding. Right. And if you put any bureaucrat in any position where this thing is how you acquire your funding, it becomes priority one immediately. And, and to me, that can be used against them. I think, like, the other thing, if I didn't have a lot of fiat power, but I could fiat one thing, there would be an easy thing that would wake people up. I would, I would, I would ban the use of the term public school and require that any time we are referring to an institution funded by taxpayer dollars, uh, assigned to educate our children, it'd be called what it is, a government school. Well, an educational penitentiary. It's an education penitentiary with outpatient service. Just like people that go into jail during the day. It's minimum security prison. It's minimum security prison with an ongoing work release. That's that's what it is. You don't even have these these poor students. One of the things we're fighting for and we're getting they don't even have the same rights in the public school as they have in the public library. We had strip searching issues. We had, Jack, it's a mess. And, and I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you, you've done here. Thank you. It's great. We need to make sure that the kids have the rights. They're the customer. And they should have the right to either attend this school or that school or whatever, the parents should have some of the funding to make sure they can do it. The results should be based upon the student. And, and I firmly agree that the student should say, here is the list of things. I mean, the, the state should say, here's the things this student has to know. And the second they meet these standards and know these things, they can exit the system regardless of their age. So if you're a six-year-old that can do geometry, done. You're out of here. Have a nice day. You got your history, you got your geometry, the three R's, right? And, yeah. and they should have another M in there about morality. They should have a common morality. And these kids should be able to communicate with other individuals by reading, writing, and communication. They should have a common morality, basically following the law, if that's what you're going to call it. You could, you could call it the, uh, I want to get yelled at for saying the Ten Commandments. You could, you could get any common morality that this world decides is common. We're not going to kill each other. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. This is the morality. These are the rules, right? How about common don't hurt people and don't take their stuff? Yeah, right, right. that's it. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. The, that's the it. Mindset. Right. And then the last part of that, the, so communication, 
Well, now you can't have taxes to fund it because you're hurting people and taking their stuff. So, oh, definitely. <laughs> and the last part is the common direction. You should do things in the best interest of the child, and the yeah. child should do things in their own best interest. So yeah. they should decide what's their best interest, and then they should make that decision. It's their body, their lives, and they can do it. The reality is, if you looked at it that way, the whole dynamic changes, the attitude changes. Now it becomes a, a function of, hey, kid, you really like this, and this and this is enjoyable to you, it's productive to you, it's productive to society. What can we do to help you? Let's pour some fuel on those sparks rather than extinguish them in this dogmatic system where this is what we're going to teach you next and force you to learn. It should be. This is the list of things you need to learn. Which one do you want to show up here and learn today so you get that much closer to getting out of here? At which point they show up motivated and they can attend that class and they can learn yeah. that next skill. Now they're you know, being when we started homeschooling, part. one of my expert council members uh, was uh, somebody that had been doing homeschooling. They're on their third generation of homeschoolers now because every time they get a generation out, they adopt another generation. Nice. Uh, so they've, been, they've done it a while. And my wife was a little apprehensive of us bringing the, the grandkids here and, and taking this on. And And what this lady said was, let me explain something to you. You can never make a child learn something they do not wish to learn. You can't do it. And you absolutely cannot prevent a child from learning something they want to learn. And, and, and that was an earth-shattering fun. I knew that, but I never heard anybody put it that bluntly before. And I went, oh, that's absolutely the case. And I am of a, a firm belief that not everybody needs to know everything that we try to force into them in high school. And to what Ray can prove that, I've got all kinds of successful people that are 20 years out of high school, went to college or not. I don't care if they went to college. Very, very successful, right? VPs, things like that. And if you said, okay, here's your freaking final exams from your senior year of freaking high school, they would fail those exams because they memorized the information long enough to regurgitate it. And then for the last 20 years, like any muscle you don't use, it atrophied out because they did apparently they didn't need advanced fucking calculus. Right. They needed to have basic algebra skills because they were a VP of sales and needed to run an Excel spreadsheet to forecast revenue. So algebra they got, but advanced calculus, they don't give two shits about. That person never, ever, ever, ever needed to, to, to learn advanced calculus. And people say, well, what if they took a path where they would have needed advanced calculus? Then when they needed to learn it, they would have wanted to learn it and you would not have been able to prevent them from learning it. And until we can bring that philosophy to education, we can fix the corruption you're talking about. That's one problem. The fundamental problem with how we educate our children until we can get to that point where we can just basically say, this kid is a talented kid that wants to be a graphic artist. Let that kid, once they know how to read, write, and do basic math, pursue that. Until we can get there, we can't fix the other problem. And that's why I'm such a fan of do. Marjorie, grow your own vegetables, grow your own food. Yeah. yeah. Marjorie should be on that list. This, yeah. you should have this skill. You're in third grade. Put this seed in this pot and watch it grow. It's going to make a pixel, a pumpkin, a, 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 an onion, a, a pepper. Make this list and then ask the kids, which one do you want to learn next? And at the end of the day, this is the mandated list. Here's the optional list. Which one interests you? Let's get it done. Not that big a deal. It does. It's just an attitude shift. It's changed. 
it's changed. We need to change with it. Every other industry has advanced exponentially in the last 50 years. Education has not. And no, we're still, and we're still basically reason, using the model we developed in the 1800s under the Prussian system of education. Of course, the kid is not using a spiral notebook. Now they're using a, a laptop or a tablet, but it's still the Prussian model of education, correct. which was developed for a purpose to, to spit out kids that would either go to university and do something more important or to spit out somebody that could go work in an assembly line, show up on time, do what they're told, only take breaks when the freaking bell went off and be obedient. That, that, that system of education was designed. That is the product of that system of education. And I can only crap on it so much because if the year is 1890 and you go to school and you come out with that skill set, there's a whole wide world available to you with legitimate career paths in it that you can be at that base level and you can stay at it and work on the line for your whole career or you can advance into some other sort or form. Like that was reality. 80 years ago, 90 years ago. That is not reality in 2022. There's not a litany of places to go have a job just because you can like show up for work, not get in a fight and take a break when the bell rings. That's, that is not where we're at today. That's what the, and I don't care what you learn, but the system is designed to condition that behavior. The, the people today that will have the best lives. And that doesn't necessarily mean make the most money. Some will make a lot. Some will make a little. But when I say best life, I mean quality of life, pursue your passion, do what you want, not live your whole life in debt and be able to afford to live the way you choose to live will be people that can look at the world and go, I like this thing. Here's my opportunities in this thing. Here's the one that makes the most sense for me. And then they're going to capitalize on it using the technology that we have available today. You and I are sitting 1,600 miles apart, Mm -hmm. educating people across the world right now. It's awesome. And I really appreciate what you're doing here because your attitude towards that exact process, what does this kid want to do? How do we help him get there? Because if we can help him be self-sufficient, he's not a burden. And more importantly, one of my philosophies I try to give to my children is make yourself strong, strong enough to help others, which also kind of backwards to itself says strong enough not to need help, but everybody needs help. Everybody needs help at some point or another. Even if it is, I want to do this, please help me so I can learn to do it. And yeah. that's where this whole education process. So if they had a list of what they needed to, to minimum be able to do, to be exposed to it enough, no kid at seventh grade is going to say, I want to do advanced calculus, like you said. But if you expose it to him and he, tight, and he likes it. I, I actually, I disagree. They go do it. Maybe hey. Hold on, hold on. You say no kid in seventh grade is going to want to do advanced calculus. You know what? The kid that's going to go on to Caltech at 16, graduating two years early, that has a predisposition for physics, that loves mathematics and sees it like music, he's going to already know advanced calculus by seventh grade. You don't have to force it. All he needs to be exposed to the fact that it exists. And you want to learn calculus? Michael Saylor has an online university to teach calculus. He's like, no one knows calculus. It was invented freaking by basically Isaac Newton hundreds of years ago. Nobody has a right to calculus to control it. You want calculus? Here it is. Full, full free lessons. If my, so somebody says that like, if, if my grandson decides he likes calculus and he wants to pursue it, great. But if somebody were to say to me, well, what's going to happen if two years from now or two years after he graduates, he decides he needs calculus? 
He's going to go get a free education calculus because he's going to give a shit then. Right. right? And someone's going to hire him and say, you're good enough at this. I'll hire you and then let's get it done. And they'll make you know, it. you were talking about help. Here's my other thing with the help. Like the way you get help is you try. Think yeah. about it this way. If you've, if you've ever been anywhere out in public and you're not a piece of crap person and you see somebody struggling with a thing, what do you, and there's something you can do. Like somebody just has their arms full of shit and they're trying to open a door. What do you do? You're like, Oh, he's, he's, he needs the door open. But if you walk by, you want to help each other. You see a guy standing there staring at the door with a sign that says, please open the door for me. Like, unless he has no arms and legs, you're going to be like, open your own damn door. Right. But when we see people trying, we as, as, as the, the beings that we are as humans, we naturally help them and we voluntarily associate with the people trying to do the thing that we support. So if you have a kid trying to learn calculus and they're legitimately trying to learn in this day and age and they put out there they're trying to learn, I guarantee you the kid has no shortage of people to teach them anything from calculus to how to run a wood lathe. And anything in between those worlds, like it's all here. We have every bit of education that we need. And, and what we've done is we've collectively as a society substituted education for credential, right? Yep. So if you think somebody has a master's degree as educated – Trust me, I've hired people with master's degrees in marketing that couldn't sell a freaking ice cube to somebody in the middle of the freaking Sahara. Right. They would literally convince them by accident that you don't really want an ice cube or water. You want to die in the sand. <laughs> like, I mean, they're that bad because they're not educated. They're credentialed. And we, we have confused those two things. I know we're kind of straying now, but we no, really agree. And, well, I the give back in the world that um, when I was young at 14 years old and well, I'll use the term getting in trouble that family of nine and, and, and your mom says, you need a better hobby. Right? Can't just irritate your friends. You can't do, you know, get pre computer games. Right. So um, I, I was taught how to fly sailplanes, gliders, great hobby in Texas. If you want to learn how to fly gliders, you can show up at our airport. I will teach you for free. You pay for the tow from, from the guy that tows you, but our club, free education for learning to fly. That's a highly technical skill and it's fun. It's fun to teach and it's fun to learn and it's a great hobby. And I don't care if you're an 80 year old guy, which I taught how to fly or 14 is the minimum age. So usually about 13, uh, we can start someone learn how to fly and it's fun. And I agree that anybody, if you want to learn how to do modeling, if you want to learn how to do, my kid got his job at uh, uh, working underneath NASA because he had a passion for aviation drone modeling and he created his own. He went, he went to the world team and, and enjoyed the freaking benefits. So there's money in that now. Right? Oh, yeah. there is, but it's not about the money. Money's only a means to get to enjoy your life the way you want to live Correct. it. If, if you if you're a minimalist and you don't need that much, he's part of the fire program, right? And but part of that fire program is how little can you live on. But it's also how part of it. What do you want to do? And, and every kid has that opportunity. Every adult has that opportunity to say, "I want to get to here. How do I get there?" Right now in Carbon County, when you were mentioned, I pulled up the stats. Personal poverty is 11 percent. That's one out of 10 people. Is, is below the line of poverty for the census, which either they don't have the ambition or they don't realize that all they need to do is show some ambition and the rest of the people will come and help them because we all learned from someone else and we all got helped. Uh, per capita income is just under 30,000. 
per household is just under 60,000, 57. So average, that's average. So if you're looking at that, yes, there's tons of opportunity. You got to fix the corruption. You got to fix the mess. You got to let people have an opportunity to actually do a job. But you're also right about the fact that there's so many people out there willing to teach and help people, you know, cost. And some of them do lead to a lot of times entrepreneurial, but definitely career choices. Here's an example. You know, every person I know that is a professional beekeeper has no problem paying their bills. Yeah. None. Right. Between hives, pollination services, honey product. And basically you build inexpensive boxes and put bees in them. Right. And there's more to it than that, but that's, that's the biggest, you know, direct expenses, housing, and then material. One of my buddies up here that's helping me with the corruption problem literally is um, Wild Creek Bee Farm. There, he, goes, I'm I'm saying. Saying. he goes, look at these things pollinating. But my point to away is to all my customers in the wintertime. For, for but my point time. to your thing about people being willing to help and teach for free is anybody that wants to be a beekeeper – yeah, I guarantee you locally you can find mentors that will walk you through everything. And then that's a potential career field. And you can just build on it from there. People that want to go into like building and construction trades or things like CNC routing and 3D printing and all makerspaces, you know, it's like the cost of a membership. And there's, you go to, go to a makerspace and there's dozens of people in there going, Oh, you don't have to do this. Let me show you. Right. right. And you have people coming out prototyping product coming out of makerspaces, running Kickstarters and becoming successful entrepreneurs in their early 20s or sometimes in their teens. And we keep with this lie of everybody needs this one size fits all education. It's insane. And and again, it's a separate problem from the direct corruption that you were fighting. I want to pull back to that because we're, we're, we're over on time. Yeah, a little we're little already. On your makerspace. So we actually uh, we do that here. With, with with my company and, and my I, I'm a firm believer if there's a spark throw fuel on it and see if it burns it's fun to watch so I call it an incubator for entrepreneurs and we help them we, we talk, teach them how to read a balance sheet we teach them how to read a P&L we give them a, we give them this stack of ten books right millionaire next door Siddhartha a couple things this is the philosophies this is the ideas this is the path to go read this stuff if you have motivation read this. And then be part of our communal group of advice givers and let's go pour some fuel in the fire. What do you want to do? And if it's anything, I mean, literally anything from fabric and modeling and ABA, all sorts of stuff. It's fun. And, and most people that have made some sort of success as a high school grad, it is fun to watch and help other people succeed. It's actually enjoyable. And that's been missing where it becomes a hierarchy system where they're competing against each other. And it is a capitalist world, but at the end of the day, we all make more capital when we help each other. <laughs> it is pretty good. So definitely. Well, I agree. Agree. Sorry. Let's, let's, I want to go ahead and wrap up because we're over an hour now. Um, and I've got another show to do later today, but I want to talk a little bit about whether or not what you accomplished there is going to last you know, and how it might last. You said you did one term. I don't know if that means you finished or you yep. haven't finished, but you've committed. You're not running again. And I want to tie that into it, too, because I completely agree that we're, with my audience, we're not going to fix government as in make it all better. I do think one massive improvement would be if, if term limits were one for every freaking office in America, because. 
the way that this manipulation happens and this influence happens is I walk up to you and say, hey, you want to get reelected? Right. You want me to write a check to your campaign? You want me to and it, larger office? You want me to run a pack for you? Whatever. You know, uh, you, you want me to make sure you get reelected. You want to get things done. You're going to have to get reelected. And that's kind of the carrot out in front of the politician. Right. And then. But if I'm going to run for office, I'm going to serve one term because I don't actually want to do this shit. I just feel like I have to do this at this time. And you come up to me and say, hey, I'm going to help you get reelected. You can go screw. I don't want to do this again. You got, and, and so at that point, the lobbyist has nothing, right? So, Correct. but then the other side of that would be, well, then how do you get good people willing to do this hard work and put up with all this fucking misery? And then they're like, okay, I'm done now. What prevents the vacuum from being filled by the illicit scum that seek power for the sake of power? So there was a Princeton study. That I, that I read. There's actually a video about it um, talking about the corruption is legal in the in, uh, United States, and it's more on the federal level. But um, it basically alludes directly to this, um, this, this problem of we, we witnessed a freight train on a track borrowing money, wasting money, just chugging away, and nothing was going to stop it. We sent in two groups of individuals, like you said, that were willing to go take the dignitary spot as lobbyists and, and try to, you know, steer the train back onto the, the efficient track of moral use of government, limited government. And, and it just didn't work. I mean, each time that they got at the helm, they were kicked off the train for trying to even think that they were going to steer this train off of the current existing tax and spend, tax and build, create more debt, go down this path. So, Finally, someone had to show up and stand in front of the train and say, stop, this train, stop it. And the train's going to try to run them over. And and that's the position that I had to take, that somebody has to do that first. But once that's done and you physically stop that train, derail it, pick it up, move it over to the other track and put a majority, a moral majority in place uh, with, with a good and and please don't take this word in a derogatory term by any means possible, but a really diverse group of nine individuals, not a team of people going in to do what they want to do with their power, but nine diverse individuals. You get a guy that has a small business. You get a lady that's doing this. You get a person that's doing that. You get a couple ladies that do this and a couple guys that do that. And by putting that diverse group in right now, we have what I call it, Eight to one moral majority board. Not a single person has gone off the rails yet or gone off that track. And if we keep an eye on them by continuing with the lawful transparency, it's fantastic. And if anybody's got a couple nickels to rub together, hire a kid that needs some gas money for 20 bucks that has any interest at all in making money for his uh, um, gas tank, make it 40 bucks, whatever. Tell him to go to a meeting with his cell phone and upload it for you. Use some of your retirement money. This is my plea across the state. Send them in or her in. Record this local township meeting for me. Publish it on whatever, YouTube, anything. We did. There's 500 of them on my YouTube station, right? And some of them were taken by just, here you go. Here, here's a gas tank. Go, go, go film this for me so I can put it up there. I'm busy. And at the end of the day, you've collected that data. And more importantly, you've exposed someone to the chaos that occurs. Take a little old lady that's trying to make ends meet 
and say, here's four meetings. Here's your hundred bucks. Go take these for me. You have the time. I have some money, right? It's minor. It's not rocket scientist. It's part time and it's, it's cooperative. You're not incurring any major, you know, if it's a couple times a year, you're not incurring any tax liability, nothing. It's just go get this done. Friend to friend. At the end of the day, not only do they watch what's happening and put it on YouTube for you so you can watch it and then edit it and show what's, what's really taking place because people don't want to watch a two hour meeting to find the five minutes where someone's trying to use eminent domain to, to take someone's property because they didn't cut the grass. Um, those people will run for office. They'll see the problem and they'll recognize and step up. And then you have this revolving door. So. Term limits is important to stop the corruption of power and the retrenching of the power. But more importantly, term limits is a function to make a revolving door out of government the way it was originally designed. So that now in the audience, you have hundreds of people over a 20 year period that all sat in that seat and all know what that seat means to keep the guys on track. So I think it can be corrected. We corrected it here. We're going to keep an eye on it. It is, is my little science experiment. But um, since we have an eight to one moral majority board, there's only one person left that didn't resign or get kicked off or whatever that we know had struggles with honoring his oath. These other eight people are pure so far. If we can keep them pure and support them, I think there's a better shot. And if they know to get off to share their experience with the next person, anybody can take these seats in government. They just got to have the right understanding of, that they are of, by, and for the people. And there's my, sorry, my, my speech, but. No, I, it's, it's, a but that's the, that's how you want to, in my opinion, after struggling with this for 10 years, watching it, figuring it out, trying different things. At the end of the day, that's the solution to this local hyper local problem. Get a revolving door with new people in constantly that all sat in that seat that understands what's going on and then have them listen to the people that they represent. Let them lobby, help them lobby you more than the lobbyists do. Because let's face it, somewhere in your audience, you do have a guy that knows about boilers. You do have a guy that knows about lighting and somebody that knows about management and somebody that knows about healthcare and somebody that knows about education. And they're not entrenched in a system. So their advice can be beneficial. And, and we teach every one of these people that we help get in, uh, every mom, we teach them how the five wives work, five whys work for management for the root cause analysis, right? We teach them the four ways to spend money from Friedman. And I'm not a college educated guy here. Just put this in perspective. But if you teach them how Friedman works, if you teach them what Larkin Rose was trying to explain to people, if you teach them not to, you know, be a little bit of an alien that lands on this planet and wonder how the hell it's working, it opens up a lot. And I think it can be done. I got a lot more optimism. <laughs> and I, I definitely got beaten the crap out of to do it. And I hope that everybody can do it without being beaten the crap of, because once they see that it works, there's no reason to beat the crap out of me to do it. It's just lawful transparency. It's just following the law. Why would you be mad at me? Right? So yeah. all that other crap that they would throw at me, it was funny. We just roll off. It was thick skin. My mom used to tease me that, uh, uh, Davey got broad shoulders and thick skin for a reason in this planet. You can carry some of the burdens. Just don't take all of them off. <laughs> And you're right, because they do chew up a lot of people and spit them out. It sucks. So. Well, I appreciate having you on today, man. This was a good discussion. 
I, I'm big on the concept of a, a term limit myself, especially from the standpoint of what you pointed out with local government. The more people in the community that understand the inside, yep. the better results you're going to get. And the, so, like, I've, I've taught people for years. It's really good to develop skill sets, even if you're not going to use them, like basic construction skill sets. So when I get a bid from a contractor to do a job and then they're bullshitting me so they can get more of my money, I might not want to do it. I might be willing to pay them to do it, but I also know they're bullshitting me, right? And I know that I'm not going to tolerate them bullshitting me. And I think that there's something to be said like that for local governance as well. Oh, big time. Um, we got videos, 500 videos on this YouTube. There's one that I, I was teasing from, um, uh, and, and you should, you should have a skill set and have a basic knowledge. And I think that's where this whole education system comes in that everybody should pick up a hammer. Everybody, these are things yeah. you need to do. When they, when they closed wood shop and my kids elementary school and stuff, it sucked, but I had to go spend money to buy a lathe and, and buy a bandsaw and buy just so I can make sure that my kids and all their friends had an opportunity because you need that opportunity. And, and they should, and we should do more incubators and we should have more wood shops out there for seniors to use, to make toys for these kids that are out there. And, and this is that incubator process that we did. We did toys for tots. We'd make hundreds of little wooden airplanes and get people to, yeah. you know, whatever it, it works. You can, you can add yeah. enthusiasm to the puzzle, but I, there's a video. Do, do you remember how I met your mother? Do you ever watch that TV show? Uh, and, on and, and off. One, yeah. And then one day the guy said, I forget her name, but we just called her honey. Because every time she talked, you'd say, oh, honey. Right? <laughs> oh, honey. Well, we had a board of director. We called her Rant and Rita. And, and she thought that the bonds, they're going to, they're going to consolidate some bonds and, and it wasn't going to cost anything. And, I, and I'm sitting in this board meeting with these people and I'm going, oh, honey, free, <laughs> really free. You think this is going to be free? Oh, honey. At which point I couldn't control myself. And I literally blurted out, oh, honey. At which point, she took me this derogatory. I was chastised. Yeah. I don't know. It's from how I met your mother. You should see it. At you were point, mansplaining. Oh, it was mansplaining. Oh, it was a mess. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, watch that video on YouTube. Funny as can be. I actually spliced in the oh, honey things to what this lady's doing. Oh. And it's like, oh, God. Luckily, happily, in disgrace, right? She resigned, so did the other ones, and they need to. If you know what's going on on the inside and you get enough people through this revolving door that everybody had their chance in the seat, because that's the way government's supposed to work, take your turn in the seat, one, one term. And, and it's the voters that really control term limits. That's why they don't There was actually a lot of historical precedent for that in, like, for instance, the, the Roman Republic, that positions of power, you're occupied for very short term. Uh, not so much in their Senate. Their Senate was kind of a lifelong, you know, aristocracy thing. But a lot of other positions of power, and specifically military power, there was a time, and then you were done. Like, even at, like, top commanding levels, there was a time, and then you were done, because we didn't want one person that could do this thing. We right. wanted hundreds of people that could do this thing, so that if this one person is really good at it dies, we got a bench. So you got some bench in the bench, right? You know, like we got to have people that can do stuff. And we, we, we live in an outsourced society now. Everybody outsources everything. And then with government, it's worse because you take my money against my will. So then I expect that this thing you took my money to do, I shouldn't have to do anything. Like you stole my money 
to run school. So you should run school properly. You stole my money to put the street down. So you should fill the pothole. You, and I, I think there's a moral righteousness to that, but I, I used to tell people all the time when they were in arguments with each other and I was kind of sitting in, in that kind of arbitration mode, love like, do you, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful and happy? Correct. Right. And I think that's, that's in a lot of ways. Do you want to fix this or do you want to understand what you're doing? And, and did you elect somebody to make the decisions for you or did you elect somebody that after your decision was made, they are going to execute it? Yeah. Because we write the laws in this community. We write the laws. Every school district has its own laws, their own policies. So once you write those laws, they're, they're local, they're law, local level. That, that government in, in federal, they got judicial, executive and legislative branches. In the local government, the school board is the judicial. The school board is the legislative and they hire an administration and the school board oversees that. They have complete authoritarian power over your taxes, where they get collected, how they get collected, who they get collected from and where they go. And when they've done that poorly, they need to be replaced. You need to take their seat. And we give a, there was a program we gave, we did it at the 912. Um, it talks about the uh, um, lawful transparency, know thy enemy, which is great. I take all my video clips. <laughs> hey, look what this guy did. Why do you think he did that? Because he's in power and he thinks he has to use it. And the reality is we got to stop asking them to use their power against us because each time they use their power, it's going to be at the end of a sheriff's gun, and you don't want to do that to your neighbor. You want to walk, work with them. And, and in the world, there everything's ah, if we don't have government, we can't build roads. Bullshit. We got a turnpike commission down here that's making that chunk of money. And, and granted, anytime you're putting in a, a power line or a refinery pipe or whatever, FERC comes in and decides, yeah, we're taking your learned eminent domain, and here's what we're doing. It should be cooperative. I think that the best way to do those pipelines is that every individual on that pipeline should be part of the LLC. They're part of the security force to keep an eye on it. They should get a piece of the action for everything that's going in. And they should move that asset, that that actual cash-producing value, it's minuscule but still there, to the next landowner so they can watch to make sure. And when you do that, you have privatization of these uh, uh cabals of, of government power that makes sure that it's always in, in cooperation with what's taken place. And, and that's where you're looking. That's, that's an interesting thing, David. And that, and that's actually probably a really interesting discussion, but it's also moving to a different level. And, and uh, we are well over on time now. So I want to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, I do appreciate you, uh, you being with us today and I uh, thank you for the work that you've done. And, and, it, you know, Cleaning up corruption anywhere is good for everywhere is, is what I've always said. So I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks. And my, my kids appreciate everything you're doing. And they're so glad that they uh, go to me into doing it. And thanks again to Rusty for putting us together. Uh, anytime, reach out. We're glad to help. And if there's anyone else we can help to do this, we're going to try to get something out there to say, this is the path that works. Do it locally because it's a mess and they got to fix it. I mean, it's just, there's 500 districts. So, sounds good. Well, it was a very interesting discussion uh, with uh, Mr. Bradley there, and I do really appreciate people that are willing to make a difference. And, and I do want to kind of open up some of y'all's minds to this. 
I agree government sucks. I agree government cannot be trusted. I agree the state will always breed corruption. I agree that we would be better off in a stateless society. I also agree with the people on the other side of that issue that say, Jack, you will lay dead in the grave. Actually, I'll be cremated because I'm not having money spent to put me in a grave. But you'll be dead, and we will not live in a voluntary society. I agree. I, I, my goal in my life is to do everything I can to move us in that direction and be at peace with the fact that it's a tree that I am planting under whose shade I shall never sit. I am complete. I have become at totally at peace with that. And I'm going to tell some of y'all that are not anarchists because you haven't found that peace, find that peace and you might become an anarchist. And here's what I mean by that. The number one thing that held me in the mindset of minarchist libertarian for such a long portion of my life when I should have been willing to cross right over that bridge was the understanding that this is never going to happen in my lifetime. That's what held me there. It wasn't, oh, I don't think this is the right thing. Oh, I don't think this would be better. It's that since this isn't going to happen, I need to work in the space of what might happen, what might be doable. And I came to a conclusion that to live my life incongruently with my personal belief systems and my personal morality would only make me unhappy. So I asked myself, I said, Jack, what do you really believe? What do you really believe? Do you believe that taking other people's money or property against their will is morally wrong, yes or no? And my answer was, yes, it is. And then my next question was, do you believe there are any circumstances under which it can be okay to take somebody's lawfully gained rightful property from them against their will because you have been voted into a position or you have a badge or somebody's given you a title or everybody got together and decided that Bill had too much and we should take Bill's stuff? Would it ever be a place where it's okay if Bill didn't steal his shit in the first place that we take Bill's shit? And the answer was no. There's no way in which it's okay with me morally. Okay, I'm an anarchist. Because right there, since the, you cannot take other people's property against their will, you have no ability to run a government from a standpoint of having a state. Everything has to be voluntary. It's an absolute moral decision. And then pragmatism is, but that ain't going to happen. So I advocate for the purity of anarchism. And I accept incrementalism in advancing to that pure state. So this is kind of where, I, where I, I, I've come to terms with this and come to be at peace with it. I am always advocating that the end game is the abolishment of the state. And everything that moves in that direction is a good thing. But what's not a good thing is any belief that at any point in that advancement we're finished. You understand? I, I hope that maybe that makes sense. Anything that moves in the right direction is a good thing, but the only way it remains a good thing if it's if it's just the next step, and there's always another step. And if I can hand off to my grandchildren, maybe one day I'll be lucky and see a great grandchild, a world closer to that ideal, I'm good. A guy like we just had on, the work he did there advance that football now whether or not they they put up a proper defense to keep it from being moved back down the field and keep heading toward the the the, the goal line it's anybody's guess 
It's anybody's guess. But that's the next that's the next person in the relay. It's now their time to carry the baton. And I think there's room for all of us in every way in doing that. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you liked it and you want to help support the work that we do, do consider doing your online shopping starting at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. If you go there when you're going to shop online and start your shopping there, no matter what you buy, you'll help support us. I've been talking about doing a show. I'm not sure when, but in the next few-ish weeks, I'm going to do a show on essential cooking gear. And I might be a little bit leeway with the essential there like because honestly essential would probably be like a knife a fork a spoon a plate and a pan right like things that you can't absolutely got to have to be able to cook so like the things that you really should have to have a well-run kitchen so you can cook really great food save money be a good prepper uh have that life skill of cooking all of it right one thing i know will be in there though i mentioned was a pan And I have tried all the pants, all the pants. I've tried high-end nonstick, analyzed aluminum. I have tried stoneware pants. I have done cast iron, brand new, modern, shitty cast iron, old school Griswold, polished, smooth cast iron that I got at the flea market. I've done it all. I've done carbon steel. I've done everything. And here's what I've determined. The best Thing most of the time for longevity and value is a carbon steel skillet that's well maintained and well seasoned. It does literally everything. There is nothing that makes sense to do in a kitchen that it won't do for you. It will sear like nothing else. It can come off the top of the stove and go into the oven. It can, it can do everything. And yes, it will pass the A. I have carbon steel skillets that are so stick-free, it's actually a little bit hard to pick an egg up with a spatula because the egg moves around too easily. Okay? Like, it's just, it's, it is, if it's worked forever, and what makes it better than cast iron is it's lighter so it heats up faster. And you can get a better sear with carbon than you will ever get with cast iron unless you take, like, extraordinary measures. Like, one thing I saw Alton Brown do with cast iron was put it in the oven at 500 degrees for like 40 minutes before he put a steak in it. I don't want to do that. I'm a prepper. I don't like to waste energy. Right? With all due respect to Alton. Uh, cast iron is beautiful. And it's on sale. I'm sorry. Carbon steel is beautiful. It's on sale today. And the Lodge Modern Carbon Steel is fine. It's, it's great. You don't need to be sanding it down or no shit like that. Just work with the seasoning it comes with and keep uh, improving it. I was asked today about seasoning and getting it really well seasoned. You know what I do when I get a new one? I cook a couple packs of bacon in it before I cook anything else. I cook bacon in it. I use a tool called a ringer. It's a little piece of chain mail. And I clean it with warm water, no soap at all, okay, and kosher salt, like as an, an abrasive. And if it's really stuck, you hit it with some water when it's hot and it releases it. You keep doing that. You cook four or five packs of bacon and four or five packs of breakfast sausage. And I promise you, at that point, with no baking in the oven, no rubbing on of oil or anything like that, you're going to be in good shape. Now, when you're done using it, you should run a thin coat of oil on it, heat it up, make sure there's no moisture in there. But you're going to get a polymer is what you're going to get if you do this, and you're going to get fantastic long-term results. And today, the 8, 10, and 12-inch skillets from Lodge are all on sale. Some of them are 10% off. Some of them are 20% off. I personally think a 12-inch carbon steel skillet belongs in every kitchen. 
Check them out. But remember, no matter what you buy, you do your shopping starting at tspaz.com and you help us out. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Thanks for being part of the discussion today, guys. I will catch you next time around. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house. The American way A dollar down, a dollar a month And you never have to pay There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Nobody up there cares, they're living